Welcome to another episode of the Finance and Property Survival Guide. My name is Damien. I'm a 24-year-old from Newcastle, Australia. I am now based in Melbourne. I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to practice getting rid of Newcastle. Uh, when I finished high school, I felt like a lot of my education left out the most important things that I needed going forward. Stuff like getting a mortgage, budgeting for big purchases, and investing were never explained in any great detail. I want the survival guide to serve as the middleman for anyone looking to learn about finance and property. Each week I'll endeavour to speak to and learn from some of those within the industry to help break down the details of the finance and property sector. This is another episode of Finance and Property News with Money Saver Home Loans. It's a weekly segment I do with my father, who is also my boss. We break down the latest news in finance and property in hopes that some of the stuff we talk about will be better explained and we provide easy to understand breakdowns of that news for young people to understand and keep up with, like myself, because a lot of this stuff goes right over my head and I don't know what the fuck is going on with it. So I get my dad to explain it to me and hopefully explain it to anyone listening. I hope you enjoy the show. Pardon my French from before. And uh, without further ado, enjoy the show. Um, first topic I wanted to cover with you was talking about parental guarantees. So the first few topics for today are both covering... Uh, different aspects of a home loan survey a home loan survey yep. survey by the great southern bank so yeah they used uh, to be credit union in australia yeah yeah so they took the pulse of a thousand aussies who had either bought a property or looking to purchase a property the majority of that thousand were first home buyers um uh -huh. of that research the chief customer officer sort of commented saying um parental guarantees are not the main way that people were getting into the property market. So only 5% of recent home buyers in the survey reported using what we call the bank of mum and dad. 50% um, of homeowners and 39% of prospective buyers simply saved mm -hmm. their way to a deposit, making lifestyle changes or, and cutting costs down to get to the number they mm -hmm. needed for a deposit. What yep. I wanted to cover with this is, again, the basics around what parental guarantee is and what the mm -hmm. pros and cons are of going parental guarantee. Cool. So basically, um, we've talked about before, um, to buy a property, you need income, of course, to um, be able to service a loan. And you need like good, a good history with credit. You know, you pay your bills on time, reasonable credit score, um, no defaults, um, that sort of thing. So, but one of the main things you need is some deposit or capital to put in. So that can be um, equity in a property. So if you've got equity in a property, you can use that equity to help either get cash from that property to put into a new property or give the bank security over the property you've got equity in as well as the property you're buying. Um, you can have cash, um, which you've saved for um, a couple of months. You can have it in like an inheritance or gifts that you've had for three months or more. Um, and the other option is where your parents or a sibling who yeah, might have got in the market earlier than you or might be, you know, might, have earned, might earn more money or whatever, um, allows you to use part of their property as equity to cover the deposit that you need for yours. So if your parents own a property, say, worth a million dollars and it does not have a loan on it, and you want to buy a property for 500000 and you don't have a deposit, the bank will take your property as the main security that you're buying and will take 
it's roughly about 25% of the purchase price of your property um, as co-security. So in this case, the bank will take a mortgage of 125,000 being 25% of 500 grand. Um, so the bank gets two securities. It gets yours, which is 500 grand and the 125 of security from the parent's property. So your loan of 500 um, divided by the total security of 625 um, gives a loan value of 80%, which is the magic number the bank wants for no mortgage insurance. So the risks to the parents or the sibling is if, if the borrowers default, the uh, parent or sibling can be up up for the amount of the guarantee, you know, in this case, 125 grand. So that's the maximum they can be up for. So um, you know, if, if, it's a, if it's a single borrower who loses their, loses their job or a, a couple who borrow who separate or decide they go separate ways or one loses their job or one gets sick or, or whatever, and they can't make their loan repayments, one of the options available to the bank is uh, to sell the property and if the property is sold for an amount less than what is owed to the bank, the bank may ask the guarantor to make good um, the bank's loss. So the, you know, there are other options. You know, the, the, the borrowers could get a personal loan if they're still working um, to cover the shortfall. So it's not all doom and gloom, but uh, the main thing for people going guarantor is you wanna be reasonably comfortable and confident in the borrower's ability to repay a loan. Yeah. So if they've got a history of bad credit, um, not being able to budget, spending money on toys, um, non-income non producing assets, not being able to save, um, that's probably something you really wanna have a think about. Um, most banks will want you to get legal advice to as the guarantor. And we ask our clients if they're getting parents to go guarantor to get the get, get legal advice before we start the process because if you um because what happens is the the bank approves the loan and then sends out loan documents with some forms that the guarantors need to have signed by a lawyer if the guarantors at that stage decide Mm, probably it's not for us or they go to the lawyer and the lawyer says look you really want to do this um, changing their mind at that late stage after the contracts have exchanged or people have gone auction and bought a property it's, it's too late so yep sorry the um just just to sort of wrap my head around it better the general idea of parental guarantee is if i'm applying for a loan if I default on that loan, I can't pay it off, whatever happens, the bank uh -huh. will come to, just say it was you going guarantee for me. You go, uh -huh. you and my mum will be putting your names on a dotted line saying, if Damien does not fulfill the obligations of his mortgage, we're coming uh -huh. to you. And not in a yeah, threatening way, but like you're... Yeah, you look, it, it's, yeah, it's one of the options available. You know, if for some reason you can't afford to make your mortgage repayments, you might decide to go and rent um, in a share house that's a lot cheaper and rent the property out. Mm. Um, you might say, look, let's sell the property and 
Um, if the bank's short, you might take out a personal loan. You know, you might have a car you can sell. You might have some other assets that you can put in. So it's not always coming direct to the guarantor. There would be other um, there would be other um, avenues that can be explored, and the bank would normally contact be contacting the guarantor to say, look, you know, um, the 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 borrowers have not been making repayments, um, and you know, trying to get them to influence what was happening. Okay. Um, we'll continue on with a few other stats from that survey that I wanted to mm -hmm. talk to you about. So it was sort of talking more about it, it, it. These are stats that sort of point to the budgeting and financial discipline that I think that this survey believes more Aussies are sort of displaying. So 51% um, yep. of homeowners and 39% of uh, prospective buyers identified as budgeters in the survey and that the most frequent tactic in saving their money was keeping to a strict budget for each week or each month. 72% um, yep. of homeowners identified doing that, that a lot of them were, they were resorting to looking for online discounts if they were going to do any of their shopping. They were looking mm -hmm. towards government grants as like an aid. So if we can avoid having to save so much of the deposit, we could use the government grant that's available to us to, to take advantage of it. Um, I just yep. wonder, like, do you think that the reason the parental guarantee isn't uh, as popular among some, do you think that's because people don't know enough about it or do you think people are just adverse to it? Uh, look, not, not all banks offer it. So mm. if you go to a bank that doesn't offer it, they may not, um, they may not suggest it. Um, some parents who we've spoken to just don't want to do it. So they're prepared to either let the let the 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 borrower, the, you know, the kids stand on their own two feet or um, give them some cash. So yeah, you know, some people just you know don't want to do it. Um, some kids don't want to do it. They want to be able to do it themselves and not ask for help. So I think there's lots of reasons. I think with the property you know, boom we've had this last six to nine months where prices have gone up basically you know, nearly 20% everywhere, I think you'll be seeing it a lot more often. Um, we always talk to clients about it as an option because um, you know, can save, um, you know, I think the most we've saved on a parental guarantees with some clients in Melbourne, we save them 43 grand in mortgage insurance. So it's a fair whack. That's a good, yeah, that's um, a lot, yeah. Yeah, so if you look at a mortgage insurance around, you know, 2 to 3% of the purchase price, um, sometimes more, um, you know, it's, it's a significant saving. For sure. Okay. Um, next thing we're going to cover was uh, a study from ME Bank. So ME Bank revealed the proportion of solo borrowers and their average loan size, home loan size, jumped uh -huh. during the pandemic. So solo purchases sat at 38% of all applications. So that grew 3% over the 2020 period. There's a couple more uh -huh. stats I'm going to share that I thought were interesting. So um, ME Bank data revealed single men are likely to enter the property market before single females, buying in uh -huh. an average age of 32 compared with 34 for females. Um, in 2018, just as for a frame of reference, the average age for a single first home buyer application was 35 for both men and women. Um, yeah, so it's gone. So, yeah, the average age of buying a property has gone down. 
Yeah, so the average age has yeah. gone down more for men. One year for females, it's gone down. But yeah, overall, it's gone down for both. I just wondered yeah. how common are single borrower applicants to you and what challenges might you expect, uh, if there are any, for anyone who might want to try and become a single applicant borrower if they wanted to buy a yeah. house for themselves? Yeah, we're seeing, a, we're seeing a lot more of them, that's for sure, yeah. because I think people are realising that yeah, in most markets you can rent, um, you can buy cheaper than you can rent. Um, yeah. I think yeah, the biggest challenge is income because if you've if you're earning eighty grand a year, you're with with a yeah, and your um, your borrowing capacity might be say five hundred grand. If you've got a partner who earns similar income, your borrowing capacity is going to be more than double because living expenses for a single person sorry for a couple are not always twice as much as they are for a single person because even though you've got some variable costs that will change a lot of the fixed costs don't you know if if you are so yeah i think it's more from the borrowing capacity side also from um because there's only one person that might be saving for the deposit it's probably harder to get the deposit quicker so that's that's another issue um but yeah we are seeing a lot more people it doesn't really surprise me that the age the age has gone down i think we'll find that you'll there'll be the age of people getting married and buying houses will actually go down because of the pandemic because i think there'll be couples who were going to do overseas tripping that are now going to buy a house and then probably go well we're not you know we may not be able to travel um, for a long time yeah and yeah we're seeing now that the cost some of the some airlines are charging 35 grand for an air ticket from London to Sydney so two years ago yeah you could get a ticket for two grand so the cost once we do start traveling again the cost of travel is still going to be quite horrific because um yeah, you, you're going to have to have all your vaccinations and that sort of stuff um, if your travel insurance costs are going to go through the roof. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see if this survey was done in two years' time, if the average age comes down even further. Okay. Um, another thing we're going to cover was the NAB partnership. I didn't actually know this was a thing until this week. So NAB launched or announced their extension with their partnership with Australia Post. So now customers can continue to perform banking at branches across uh, Australia that are Australia Post branches. Um, yep. They're also gonna have a person uh, on site from NAB one day a week to assist any customer inquiries. I thought this was quite mm -hmm. interesting knowing that, knowing that NAB were one of the banks that closed a lot of their regional branches uh, and cut a lot of costs in overhead as a result having a partnership with someone like Australia Post makes pretty good sense, I feel like. Yeah, so this, I'm pretty sure this was driven by Australia Post because right. with the with the internet and um, internet shopping um, and email and less and e-card, so you know, people weren't sending, people just don't send as many letters as they used to. Yeah. So 
the Australia Post were looking, okay, well, our business has got to change to adapt. So they come up with Parcel Post and they have the posties driving those sort of, you know, little hybrid scooter type things so they can do parcel deliveries. Um, they take payments for, you know, you can usually, you know, you pay your rates, your electricity, um, you can do banking, you can do, you know, buy gift cards, they've got little shops, all this sort of stuff. So a lot of this was driven by Australia Post because they could see that if they just stuck to people sending letters, they were going to not be in existence. So it also allows banks to say, well, um, we're, we're closing the local branch because it's not productive, but you can do all your banking at the post office. So yeah, it's, sure. it's a way of, you know, there's, there's an article I read today, I think, and it'll be in some of the things you see during the week where, where some banking analyst, analyst suggests that in the next five to 10 years, you know, bank branches probably won't exist at all. Mm. So, um, or, you know, you might have a, you might have a branch um, of a bank, we, sorry, a branch which has four different banks in it. Yeah, they might all have just, just one person. So you have like a one-stop shop for any of the banking you need. But, you know, the number of branches is closing all the time and it's only going to keep going that way, I think, because, you know, people, people were moving away from banking, uh, banking in branches, and a lot, a lot of it, I feel, is due to convenience. Like a lot of the time people work and they can't get away from work to go to the bank except during lunchtime and because sure. everyone else is going to line up for so long. And these days... You know, you've got to wear a mask and you've got to check in and do, or would you rather do that or would you rather sit at home and just do it online? It's pretty yeah. easy. Oh, for sure. Like, and even, um, of course, they're going to defend their position, but I did find some, um, I did find some validity to what they said. I think it was uh, David Hyman. I'm forgetting where he's from, what Big Four Bank. Uh -huh. But he, uh, he was speaking about the closures of some of the branches and that it was accelerating a trend that was already sort of existing, that people were not going to branches as much anymore before COVID. Yeah. And then people who were avoiding face-to-face -face business things are just going to not go to the bank in that time and do it online. And they accelerated that evolution. And like, I remember the last time I had to go to a bank branch was because I lost my wallet and I needed to pause my account. Um, and I had to do that during work hours because I didn't, I yeah. couldn't get there after work because they, mm -hmm. their hours are stupid. Like bank branch hours should not be the same as yeah, every yeah. other business. Like it makes no sense. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of the time it's like 9.30 to 4 and 9.30 yeah. to 5 on a weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But that, that's just the way the way things are going. And, you know, the number of bank branches has dropped quite a lot in the last 10 years. And I think that's only just going to continue. For sure. Um, we'll talk next about some of the uh, regional moving data. So ComBank comes out with a, uh, a, quarter in, a quarterly index. So um, in March 2021, the quarterly index revealed that um, the number of people who moved from capital cities out to the regional areas jumped 7% uh, over uh -huh. the quarter uh, compared to March 2020 quarter. This population movement was at its highest since early 2018. Um, and not super surprisingly, the largest outflows were in New South Wales and Victoria, where 49.5% uh, and 46.4% uh, was from out of the cities to the regions. Um, all forms of internal migration, region to region, capital to capital, and regional to capital, so in reverse, they all shrank. 
um, and Newcastle. Mm. Newcastle was one of the top uh, regional destinations that people moved to, along with the Gold Coast, Greater Geelong, Wollongong, and the Sunshine Coast. Um, I just wondered yeah. what you thought of it. It's 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 sort of self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah. I think it's sort of not surprising. Um, we're certainly right. seeing it here. Uh, in Newcastle, I know talking to people from Geelong, Sunshine Coast and Wollongong, it's similar that, yeah, yeah, it's just, I think people are realising that, yeah, do they, yeah, in the past people sort of got older, retired and moved away from the cities. It's sort of just happening more now that people are realising that um, they don't need to um, be in a city. They don't need to be close to work. Um, you know, they can live somewhere, say Geelong, that's an hour and a bit out of Melbourne and it's a lot more, you know, a lot better lifestyle. You've got the surf coast just on your doorstep. Same with Wollongong, you know, it's an hour and a quarter on the train to Sydney or, right. you know, a, a, a reasonable drive. Uh, Sunshine Coast, the same. Um, I know Terry Ryder calls it the escape to affordable lifestyle, but I think it's just people choosing a lifestyle over and and also you know you get more bang for your buck you know mm. a property that's three million million in sydney is less than a million in newcastle so yeah um yeah similar for wollongong and geelong and those sorts of places okay um this one was interesting and it's i'm still sort of trying to get my head around it myself so combank data revealed um how how much sooner their customers were able, they made some averages um, showing how their customers, how much earlier they could uh, enter the property market using either the first home loan deposit scheme or the new home guarantee, which are two of the government stimulus packages that they've announced in the budget um, or extended yep. in this budget. So uh, mm -hmm. New South Wales and Victoria had their deposit time saving uh, shortened the most. So the way they said it was, on average, by accessing one of those two schemes, a person in New South Wales could save five years on saving it on a deposit. In Victoria, yep. it was 4.9 years, and it progressively got down to four years was the least amount you could shave off in Tasmania. They sort of, uh, they attributed to that the higher years that it would take to, 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 to shorten it were due to how the values in New South Wales and Victoria were a bit more expensive than the rest of the states mm -hmm. um yeah this isn't super surprising to you is it no not really yeah. look the, the thing with those schemes right? yeah yeah and that's the thing with with those schemes like the thing that probably the cba didn't talk about was you know they might have helped just say they helped two and a half thousand. i think they had two and a half thousand spots on the scheme for the existing scheme they had two and a half thousand spots on the scheme so those people got into the market earlier and the ten thousand, you know, the ten thousand people that access spots in the scheme, yeah, you know, some of whom we helped, yeah, you know, they got into the property market probably a lot earlier than they would have, but um, there's still probably 130, 140,000 people who either didn't get into the market or mm -hmm. got in there by paying mortgage insurance. So I'm, I just find these schemes, I just find it really interesting that the government has a scheme that's designed to help just a portion of the people. It's almost like saying we've got, you know, 25 million people in Australia, but we're only going to vaccinate 10% of them. Um, mm. But, you know, job's done. Or, you know, we've got 100,000 people that are homeless. We're going to help 5,000 and, you know, just to show we're doing something. So it's it's a lot, you know, the schemes are a lottery 
um, you know, there's 30,000 spots for uh, first-home buyers, 5%. There's 10,000 spots, first-home buyer, 5% existing home, 10,000 spots for 5% new homes. Yeah. And then there's the, um, like the single parent one where the you know, 2% deposit. And I, I just think, I just worry that down the tracks, um, people are getting into properties when they can't really afford them and yeah. they're paying top dollar at the moment and it might just all come crashing down in a few years. Another, another interesting caveat that doesn't get brought up, uh, I think it was late last year, early this year, we covered how the government re-released some of the places that weren't used. So yep. some people qualify for the lot for the for the scheme, but it, yeah, it, it, it's a lottery. They they qualify mm -hmm. and win a lottery ticket, but then they can't find a house. Yeah, with with the money they have as a loan capacity, so it doesn't matter that the government's helping them with the deposit because there's no house available for them to access yeah, exactly, with that yeah. money they yeah. have. So they're just giving it back to the government and they're resending it out in the next run. So it's not. Uh, yeah, it's, see, I think what yeah. when when the when the when the um scheme first started, the thing was you know get pre-approved get get a pre-approved, and you were given a spot, and you had three months to buy a property, and then people couldn't find a property, so they were given an extra three months. So right. what would happen is after six months, you had all these people who couldn't find a property, but held a spot but you had people who'd agreed to buy a property that couldn't get a spot because someone was already holding a spot. Mm -hmm. So what they did the second time around was basically if you'd made an offer on a property, you got um, priority over people who had just um, been approved. So, you know, we've, we've got a client at the moment we're working with who's bought a property and we'll most probably get him a spot in the, in the new home scheme um, but I just say to people, look, it's a lottery, this thing. Yeah. And if you, you know, we can put in for a spot and if you get one, happy days. But if you don't, you're going to be up for a, you know, a fair whack of mortgage insurance. So we've just got to, as long as you position it uh, the right way, it's all, all, pretty, all pretty good. It sounds like a good takeaway could be that the stimulus is there and it's available, but you need to understand that you may not get it and you have to have yep. a plan, like a, a pivot plan, just in case, a plan B. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, last thing I had before we move on to some of the things you had, um, virtual yep. inspection. So I spoke to a buyer's agent during the week just to ask them their, their ideas around this, um, mm -hmm. that the news during the week that a number of virtual inspections have been carried out to sort of uh, deal with the COVID situation, especially in the Sydney auction market and some of the pros and cons of it. Um, I wondered first if you dealt with, if you, any of your clients had uh, had encountered any op opportunities to do a virtual inspection where a real estate agent, pardon me, or a buyer's agent actually inspects the property on their behalf and has it on video. Yeah. Uh, have you have you had any encounters with that, or have you met any buyers agents that have been doing that? Look, virtual tours are not new. Yeah, um, yeah they've they've been around for quite a while. Um, probably at least ten years. You know that right. you can see it. You can see a you know a three D tour, or you have the agent just walking around with their iPhone, um, or you know their smartphone videoing, and they'll just say you know here's the bathroom, and you know here's the here's you know, the other 
the the spacious bath and vanity and you know here's the bedrooms yeah, yeah. and and that sort of stuff so you know the, these things have been around around for a while and i think yeah <clears throat> there's certainly nothing like touching and feeling and going to see a property and all and all that sort of stuff so um yeah at the moment it's pretty hard to work out whether they're successful or not because um yeah there's so there's so few properties around and demand so high. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, pretty hard. Yeah, okay. And I guess so. Um, yeah. Sorry, the um the only real takeaways I got from the conversation I had with the buyer's agent was speaking on um some of the people who are looking at buying some homes would be doing a virtual inspection to check the place out before it went on to an online auction. And that yeah. uh, some of the real estate, uh, basically talking about, they were worried that sometimes agents might skim over parts of the the walls or whatever if they're video calling the the prospective buyer. Um, maybe they'll they'll scan over certain issues with the walls or issues with some part of the house uh, that a buyer's yeah. agent might be really stringent in picking up every single detail because they're in your corner, mm -hmm. not in the the corner of the yeah. person selling the home. But otherwise, yeah, that was. There wasn't much else to that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was there? What were the things you wanted to cover? Yeah. So one of the things people might hear about is a thing called the um, Heron Todd White property clock, okay. and it, it's something that does the rounds. And you know, some people say there's no such thing as a property clock, and others say, yeah, it's sort of just just something that can give you a bit of a steer on. Um, um, you know, when, when you're looking at property, just where where things might be in the market. So Heron Todd White, if you, you know, people want to jump on a Google and and look at, um, you know, type in Heron Todd White property clock, they'll find it. But so it gives the national property clock and it basically midnight. So, you know, the, the, the hands up the top is peak of the market. Um, three o'clock is markets that are starting to decline. Um, six o'clock is bottom of the market and uh, nine o'clock is rising market. So the sort of folklore is, you know, you, you sell at the peak and you buy at the bottom or at the start of the recovery. So, you know, you sell at midnight and you buy around six to eight o'clock in the morning, six to 8 a.m. in the morning on the clock. Right. Um, at the moment, um, there's, for houses, there's six places around the country that are at the peak of the market and probably every other area in the country is around starting to recover or a rising market. So it's just something people might see that, you know, they might go to a property webinar or they might hear about it, mm. um, you know, the property clock. So that's, that's what it's about. Some of the buyers agents we talk to say it's, you know, rubbish because, you know, there's so many, you know, in an area, say in an area like Newcastle, which is saying approaching a peak of the market, yeah. um, there'd be areas in Newcastle that are at the peak and there's some that are starting to recover. So I think they think it's a bit too generic, but it's just mm. something that, that people might hear about. So yeah, it's it definitely you know, makes a good reading. Yeah, Heron Todd White put together and they they do, you know, they come out with some pretty good stuff. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is just the banks you know, with the num number of loans are at record highs and, you know, there's a lot of heat in the market for buyers at the moment. And a lot of people, I know CoreLogic said in their 
update for the end of June that they think the market might be starting to, might be starting to slow down a bit um, because the number of um, you know there's there's less sort of silly prices being paid for property. Mm. Um, so yeah, what what the banks what the banks are doing is um, they'll be coming out. And they're, they're coming out with new offers and that sort of stuff. And one of the ones that was interesting last week, um, some banks offer people in the medical industry like specialists, um, you know, GPs, dentists, et cetera, um, mortgage insurance waivers up to 90% loan to value. So people probably know that when you borrow more than 80%, you could be up for mortgage insurance. Yeah. Um, and until... Recently, the only bank that allowed a physio to be covered by that mortgage insurance waiver was ANZ, and no one gave the waiver to chiropractors. So last Friday, Westpac and St George announced that they would be allowing physios and chiropractors that uh, mortgage insurance waiver up to 90% from this coming Sunday, so from the 11th of January, uh, 11th of July. So. We've got a couple of clients who are physios and one is a chiropractor that we've been working with. So we'll now be um, probably looking at, at those banks as, um, as, you know, as pretty good options. Okay. So it's just, just a, a reminder for people that if you've been with your, with your bank for a while, um, it's, um, it's probably not a bad thing to just get someone to check that either talk to your existing bank or talk to your broker just to make sure that you know there's not a better thing around for you, um, especially if there's um, new deals and waivers and all that sort of stuff and yeah you know, offers and you know that you might be able to take advantage of. For sure. And something you said there that I was sort of happy you said, um, and after that we can sort of end this one if you want to. Um, I've started to notice. Well, I'm starting to notice it from the other podcasts we're doing, but it's also something that I want. I've always wanted this show to be about, which is we would love your business. If you want to come to us to, for a broker, we'd love to help you. But just going to a broker is probably a good thing. It doesn't, it won't hurt. You know, like um, there's plenty of brokers out there that do a good job at what they do. So if you want to come to us, we will definitely help you if we can. But go to a broker because they will help, you know. Look, I just say to people, look, go if if you've got your existing bank, go to them because um, yeah, they they you know they love you and they want to keep you as a customer. Um, but probably the best bet is to get a um, is just get a second second opinion from a broker, just yeah. because you know there might be might be yeah uh, if you're if you've got a 5% deposit and you're buying a new home on the first home loan deposit and you want to, and you don't know about the first home loan deposit scheme, if you walk into a certain bank um, or if you walk into two of the big four banks, um, they don't offer that and they're under no obligation to tell you to go to another bank that offers it. 100%. Whereas if you come to a broker, the broker usually knows well, should know um, all the deals and all the options available from the range of lenders that they're accredited with. And, you know, a lot of brokers are accredited with like 15 to 20 lenders. So you're probably going to get a better result. You may not, but you're probably going to get a better result. So, yeah. and it costs nothing to have a chat with a broker and sure. uh, they'll normally buy you a cup of coffee. 
Mm, for sure. Well, answers on that. If people want to reach out, it's moneysaverhomeloans.com.au on the website. Uh, look us up on Facebook. It's the same name. Uh, anything else to add? Um, no, no. Beautiful. All right, we'll get out of there on that one.